0: Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for being here today. Uh, You may hear in this conversation that I might sound a little bit different. And I have Valerie Bell here, our CEO, who is on the phone. And like you, our lives have been disrupted, changed a little bit because of the coronavirus. But I'm so excited for this conversation because we're going to do what Awana does best and help you figure out how to talk to kids about a really important topic. Valerie wrote an article for the Billy Graham Institute entitled, How to Help Our Kids Deal with Fears Surrounding COVID-19. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So Valerie, thank yeah. you for being here.
1: Thanks. Great to be here. I'm I'm sequestered at home too. This is so different. <laughs> we're like everybody else. We're trying, yeah. we're trying to do our work. Trying to figure it out.
0: And, you know, I, I although I wish I could... Have this conversation with in person with you, Valerie. I do hope that people, just because you're on the phone, there's there's so much wisdom here in this piece and there's so much opportunity for people to uh, walk away feeling encouraged that this is a moment for us. And you can read the piece, go to the show notes right now wherever you're listening to this. You know, I think it's important that people read the piece that they actually are, you know, engaging with this conversation in multiple ways. But since I have you on the phone, I do want to kind of walk through it so that people understand at least how you're thinking about it, or just how Awana is looking to continue our relationship with you, the local leader, the person who's engaging with this podcast. I want to start with just asking, what motivated you to write the piece? How did this article come together?
1: Well, um, let me just say, thanks for having me, Ross. I've been sequestered (laughs) for two days, and I'm so happy to have another human being on the other end of my phone right now.
0: (laughs) Call me anytime, Valerie.
1: First of all, I was asked to write it, but my mind has been around it for quite a few years. Uh, My sons are grown now, but we went through the AIDS crisis. Uh, We went through uh, things like uh, terrorism and school shootings, some of those kinds of things. So I, I know what it feels like to be a parent and wanting to do the best for your child, but not really knowing exactly what that might be either. So um, just a lot of empathy for parents for uh, people who are working with children, maybe in the WANA program or in another uh, uh, kind of church program. And just seeing if I couldn't maybe focus this fear and give us some tools to work with during this time. And so I'm excited about this. Uh, I, I think that um, first of all, you know, we are living in scary times. That's yeah. true. Uh, and, the you know, actually, of the, the advice I'm going to give or the principles I'm going to give uh, are going to sound a little bit like the advice we got when we were first hearing about the COVID-19, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, coronavirus. Okay. But they said, what they say to us? It was too simple, right? Yeah. They said, wash your hands, don't touch your face. Keep social distance, you
0: know? Yeah.
1: And, you know, it's like I wanted something more than my bathroom sink at that time. (laughs) I wanted, like, some big breakthrough in medicine, and they didn't have that. They had the basics. They kept coming back and telling us to wash our hands. So I'm going to talk about some basics. And, you know, it's very possible that people who are families of faith Let's get the basics. Um, Ooh, that's good. There may be a certain amount of actual spiritual neglect happening because we take for granted the basics. And so uh, let's talk about how if we know what these basic tools are and our children are taught how to use them, how scary times can be much more than scary times. I love that. And yeah me too so you know they these worst of times that we go through uh and and i admit this is different in some ways than anything i've experienced in a rather long life uh but But can i just i'm sorry to cut you off
0: Valerie. i was just going to say i think there's value in just starting there like admitting that this time is different that this is this feels different um i just i wanted to at least highlight that because starting there is really important
1: you highlight anything I'm saying you put the <laughs> exclamation mark so yeah even though um, it's different it it has certain of uh, the same impact on us I guess you could say so here's the thing these worst of times actually are loaded with opportunities okay. and these opportunities are in the form of establishing belief in children by actually showing them how faith works so At Awana, we have this crazy God dream, I guess you could say. Not that God's crazy, but our dream is crazy. And that is, we think that God is asking us to raise up the greatest disciple generation. Amen. The greatest disciple generation globally. And so uh, we are looking at so many things now through discipleship, through discipleship than we ever have really before that I know of anyway. So um, let's start with some of the basics. Um, It's time to talk. It's time to have age-appropriate talks with children. Uh, Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth about life and then ask questions and find out what they know or what they think they know. Yeah, Uh, correct. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's amazing what goes on in kids' minds, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, my daughter was sick, coincidentally, and she was convinced that her being sick is what caused everybody to be sick. And yeah, just had that brief moment of, you know, she's four, she had that brief moment of panic. But as my wife and I were comforting her, you do have that moment of, okay, even someone who is that young, who hasn't had the opportunity to be heavily influenced, by you know incorrect information or sort of the mass hysteria that we're all taking in through media even someone that young you need to have that conversation you, we we need to be truth tellers but also yeah. people who can be do so in an age appropriate way
1: Yeah so you know we assume a 4-year-old wouldn't have any idea about this right Right they pick it up they just pick it up and in their minds it's something other than what it is so you did just so right there, correct it. Correct anything that's not true or that's out of proportion. Um, I think it's important to explain what does a pandemic mean. Uh, it is it, it is widespread, but that doesn't mean everyone will get sick or that everyone is going to die. That's great. Um, and so, you know, there's the truth. Here's what we're going through. Yeah, it's scary. And then after that, Truth and after the correction of any misconceptions they might have. You want to be sure to assure children that their health and safety are the most important priority to you and that uh, their parents will do everything possible to protect them. Amen. That's why we're in our houses by ourselves right now. Uh, that's why we're not going to school uh, we, this is uh, how we protect each other during a time of pandemic. okay, so Ross, yeah. you can get, you can get that kind of advice just about anywhere. Yep, secular media, a lot of a lot of uh, the things I read that come out of our Christian community are there. and I would say here's where it's really important to not stop there. Don't stop at the reassurance. Don't stop at the explanation part. Um, this is the opportunity to become a disciple maker. So besides reassurances, this is a time to share our God stories. Uh, share how your faith grew in a difficult time. Uh, children uh, will grow up in the soil of their parents' faith. So they are intuiting from their parents' lives what faith is and whether that parent really has it or not, or <laughs> is it just talk? Sure. So here, here's the, the beautiful thing that can happen during a scary time, and that is that a child can be exposed to real hope and real faith from a real person's life that nurtures real faith. Amen. Be open. Be real. Have the faith talk. um, Be full of faith. This is the beginning of child discipleship. A discipled child needs a discipler. And in scary times, that discipler should be right next door to that child's bedroom.
0: That's so. mom and dad. And let me just ask, I think some of this conversation now for us is motivated by proximity, right? You know, we're all in our homes and you can't really hide from your kids. So for the person who really wants to be that disciple maker, how do we motivate them that this is the time for that to happen?
1: Yeah, this is the big aha moment of faith for this generation. This is going to mark their lives. And they will remember how mom and dad uh, dealt with it. And so here it is. Aha. Step into their lives with your God story. Why do you believe in God? How did he meet you? How did you come to faith? Uh, What does this moment mean to you? Do you have faith at this moment? Do you have hope at this moment? Are you different than a lot of the voices that are full of fear all around us Um, why are we different why do we have hope Uh, yeah so I I wish there was a way I could just put a neon sign uh, in every home every Christian home that goes This is the aha moment. (laughs) This is the before and after moment in your child's life because they are going to remember this forever.
0: Amen. And that you as a parent, you have been equipped for this, right? You may not feel, you may not necessarily feel this, but, you know, time and time again in scripture, we see God using unlikely people. And if you feel like you are an unlikely person to shape your child's faith in an aha moment like this, I would just hope that you understand that God is not surprised by the coronavirus and that this is something that I believe at least God is seeing as an opportunity for my own life in my own discipleship making of my own kids. And if God's doing that in me, I am sure he's doing that in you.
1: Well said. I love that. What a great encouragement. Thanks, Ross.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) just to kind of follow the contention of the piece and you've, you've talked about this before, but one of the things, one of the most important things that I think you've already said Is that it's important for people to not to assume anything in what your kids know, what your kids are afraid of or not afraid of. Because in a time like this where we are taking in so much information, it may be easy for us to think that, oh, the kids narrative is our set. They know that they're safe. They know that they're loved and that they're fine. But to assume that they don't know anything so that everything is explicit in a time of crisis is really important. And I think Mm -hmm. the way that that happens is by doing some of the things you talked about, using some of these tools. So what are some important spiritual practices or the toolbox that parents in particular should be activating right now to help kids deal with the fear associated with COVID-19?
1: So here are these simple tools. And once again, uh, I think it's important not to assume that our children have them. Uh, even kids who are raised in Christian homes, go to Christian schools, or want to kids that memorize a lot of Bible verses, <laughs> may not know how to use these tools in scary times. And I feel like this is where we get into a certain amount of spiritual neglect with our children because of our assumptions, um, that because they've been exposed to these things, they actually know how they work. And that's just not how we should assume. Um, so let me let me just talk about some of these very simple tools. You're going to hear this. And you're going to go, hey, this is like, you know, wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I own that a little bit, but I'm going to show you, I hope uh, as we finish and go through this broadcast, actually how they work and um, how they can make a difference. Um, so a disciple or a disciple has a greater comfort in this world than people of no faith or just kind of minimal faith. A disciple has a great set of tools and uh, they know how to use them. So the first thing I would say is make sure that your children, uh, first of all, understand the gospel, uh, that they have put their trust in God, that they know that earth is not their forever home. Uh, do they understand uh, that Christ died for them and that um, we are eternal beings through salvation in Christ? Um, then remember that they have tools that have strengthened generations of believers through other challenging times. Um, so, you know, this is where it's wonderful to have a grandparent. In our lives, who can sit down, put their arm around our children, who they also love, uh, a, a wrinkled uh, exhibit of long life, you know? <laughs> who can say hey, to our kids, <laughs> who can say to them, look, it's been scary in the world before. Uh, and God has not abandoned this world or his people. So, um, I, you know, I don't know, Ross, Do you remember the first time you were world scared?
0: Oh man. Uh, probably, what I mean, was it? probably nine eleven is probably the, the best example for my generation. Um, where you have that sort of that glass bubble pop of not only is, is the world scary, but that the world's a lot bigger than it seems when you're a kid.
1: And we'd never seen that before that kind of terrorism, right? Yeah. That was so new to us. How, do you, can I ask you how old you were when that happened?
0: Oh, I've. Uh, f- fourth or fifth grade. So that would have made me 10 or I guess 10, 10 turning 11.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty impressionable age because you're you're old enough to really be picking up a lot of talk about it and maybe not uh, getting it all filtered through the truth grid. But yeah, so I remember when I was in third grade, we started these air raid drills that we would get under our desk and uh, wait for the Russians to come.
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and,
1: uh, yeah, I know. And talk about scaring a generation of kids.
0: <laughs> right, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I do remember how frightening that was to think that there's this big global, uh, potentially, not more than damaging, earth and life-threatening that was coming to your doorstep. That, that was frightening. Um, you know, other generations before us, the greatest generation uh, went through two world wars and a depression. And I think their lives were constantly marked by great global, um, fearful things. Uh, baby boomers, that's my generation. Vietnam created riots in the street that burned Chicago and Los Angeles later. Uh, great societal unrest, generation gaps. Um, and more recently, my children, uh, who are grown now, but, um, they had to deal with the AIDS epidemic. I remember I had an eight-year-old and I had to explain AIDS to him before I'd had the talk with him. And I remember thinking how how upside down the world had become. Um, But, you know, recently the rise in school shootings and terrorism. There are generations of believers who have gone through these things and whose faith has been time-tested. And so that's that first tool is, Christian community, Um, find it in your family, find it in your neighbor, do FaceTime, find out how grandma and grandpa got through that, find out how mom and dad uh, managed the fearful things they had to experience in their lives, and uh, come together in a strengthening core for your child's life. The second thing would be prayer. Like I said, so basic, but I'm going to work that out a little bit just yeah. to show you. how Wash your important hands for a full
0: 20 seconds. Yeah.
1: Wash your hands for 20 seconds. I know it sounds like that. And the last thing would be scripture.
0: the idea of cultivating community, which I think is so important. I also think that it's helpful to lean into the fact that we are living in such a unique time where you mentioned FaceTiming your grandparents. You may be in a position where your kids can't hug your grandparents. And that is probably really challenging for them and for your grandparents or for your parents in that scenario, but that we can cultivate a community and a Christian community online, which also allows for you as a parent to lean into the good parts of the internet. You were talking about that neon sign and that aha moment, the, to be able to put a neon sign over the stuff that's online of this is what community looks like, even if we can't be together.
1: You know, uh, I think during this scary time, we're all learning the ups, Side of technology.
0: Yes, we're,
1: yes. You know, we're all working at home, and uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, Ross, use that to form community uh, for your children during this time. And I'm, I say that aware that there are a lot of families who don't have grandparents that they're close to. Mm. Adopt a pair. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Just say, my kids need grandkids, grandparents for a while. Would you mind? Um, being that for us. You know, I can't think of anybody who would be put off by that. If, if somebody asked Steve and I that, we would be so complimented. So yeah, use this technology in ways that we haven't before. I love, I love that.
0: That's great. Now you mentioned the, uh, the other two sort of basic tenets in this are prayer and scripture. So mm-hmm. what does that look like?
1: So let me kind of illustrate this. Uh, My mother uh, was a strong Christian believer, and I went through a period, I was I think four years old, an uncle had died, and I had seen my parents grieving, and it shook me up. It was the first I knew about death, and of course, I thought it was all about me, (laughs) and that uh, I was going to die when I uh, fell asleep, and so I couldn't sleep. And uh, my mother, this was how she dealt with me. For a few nights, she came and sat on the side of my bed and reassured me, tried to comfort me, uh, and um, that was very nice, but it was not enough. If your presence is not enough, is what I'm saying to parents. You know, I experienced that. Her presence was not enough, comforting, but not enough. And so then she got a little more desperate with me, and she decided I needed to know how to pray. I'm four years old, and you are not a great um, deaf prayer at four years old so she took my hand and she assigned a word to each finger and it was I will never leave you five words I will never leave you and she said when you are afraid you remember what words go with your fingers and you pray that to God and he will that he will receive that as a prayer I will never leave you and so that was kind of neat but um spirit the Tears still flowed. <laughs> and so um, then, you know, she's getting desperate because this woman needs to sleep as well, right? A lot of us parents are feeling that now. Nice. Just, you know, not, almost there's not enough of us for our kids. Um, then she said, okay, community, prayer, scripture. And so she sat on the side of my bed for several nights until I could memorize certain passages of scripture. So I think the first one she did was John 14. Uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, talking about heaven. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. And so um, I she would tell me heaven is our home. Earth is not our home, and we want to be with God. We want to be with Jesus. And, and she talked to me about what heaven would be like. It wouldn't be death. It wouldn't be crying. Uh, there would be this wonderful um, new world, in a sense. And so, um, a, a crucial night came after I could uh, pray those that prayer and recite that scripture, where she came and sat on my bed, and she said, "Now, Valerie, you know how to pray, and you know scripture. When you are afraid, use those tools." And then she had her nerve. <laughs> to walk out of my bedroom, leave the door open, a crack, and (laughs) not come back when I cried. And I had to comfort myself with the tools that she had left me. So community prayer and scripture, I know it sounds like the spiritual equivalent of hand washing, but I think we'd be amazed how many kids really need help on how to use those tools. How do I make this work? You know, when do I use them? Can I expect that God will comfort me while I'm praying? The answer is yes. Will scripture be in neon with my name on it when I recite it? Will it dwell in me richly? And the answer to that is yes. What do you think of that? Is that I love that.
0: I wish, no, not at all. (laughs) And what's so helpful about that to me is your mom did two things right she she walks you through the process that you're walking our listeners through however she also left the room and i think the the two gaps that people are going to fall into during a time like this is leaning too heavily into community like you talked about or of you know, sort of monologuing about how, Hey, I'm here with you. It's going to be okay. Family,
1: The family bedroom forever if we're not here. Yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, and I think my generation, especially of parents are going to be susceptible to that largely because that's how we were parented, right? We were given participation trophies and told how great we are. And I think there's a temptation in a moment like this to sort of be uh, a helicopter parent is I think what the internet calls that, but also,
1: I think, Yeah, I think that's a mistaken thought because it's rooted in we are enough. We will be enough for our kids. You aren't enough. You will not be enough. And
0: there's joy in that, right? Because the reason we are not enough is because we are connected to an ever-loving father who has given us prayer and scripture as ways to connect with him because he is enough. And yet your mom still has the courage and the trust in who God is to leave the room Because, you know, to relate back to other conversations that people have heard in this podcast, that is that is you becoming a disciple. That is her doing the work of being a disciple maker that would not Mm -hmm. have been accomplished had she never left the room.
1: Yeah. Sometimes we have to be formidable. And, you know, uh, you know, discipleship comes from that discipline word that's in there. And it means a certain insistence a certain stick to you know, and I, and I think she showed me that formidable side of faith and, and it came from her deep belief that it was real and it would work and it did. That's amazing. <laughs> it still is. Yeah.
0: I love that story. You know, something else, you know, people are hearing this over the phone and it's, you know, that's obviously less than ideal. But I hope people can hear, even if they don't know you as a, as a boss, like I know you, that how much (laughs) you light up in telling that story. Like there's, there's clearly a, such a value to you in that as a formidable experience. And again, just to highlight for people that you have this opportunity with the children in your life right now uh, to provide a similar kind of formidable experience for their life and for their faith.
1: Yeah, it's a before and after gift. And you know what? It's a gift that still gives to me today. It still gives to me. All right. Can we talk to the skeptics for a moment?
0: Yes, please.
1: All of the sophisticated people out there who, <laughs> you know, was, were hoping for much, much more. <laughs> um, can I show you how this worked and how it worked uh, at 9 11? You said, you know, 9 11, you were 10 years old. Of course, that was earth shaking for all of us that being 10 years old, that must've been something. This story comes out of 9-11 and it so touches me and makes me uh, check my sometimes spirit that wants to get super sophisticated and overlook the basics, mm. maybe even, you know, overlook God along the way while I'm being very um, Amen. Yeah. educated spiritually. Absolutely. But anyway, um, on 9-11, a young father by the name of Todd Beamer uh, was a passenger on the hijacked United Jet uh, 93. And so um, we know him because he joined other passengers in a very heroic but really futile attempt to overtake the plane. And so we know him because he was the one that said, uh, okay, let's roll. Oh, wow. So they resisted. Do you remember this? They resisted yeah. the, te- the uh, terrorists. Uh, which was so brave because the terrorists told them that there was a bomb on this plane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in this whole scenario, all of them were lost. They all died. So um, Todd's courage is captured in those two words, let's roll. But a lot of people don't know and haven't heard what he did before he said those words. And I'll tell you what he did. He, he reached for that simple, toolbox of faith that he probably had learned as a child, maybe in Iwana or in Sunday school or, you know, from his parents. Uh, he went for the most basic tool at a time of our greatest crisis uh, in our national existence and our modern national existence anyway. So um, he got his cell phone and he dialed operators until he found a Christian operator. And what he asked from her was very interesting. He asked for one uh, operator who could pray the Lord's Prayer with him. Wow. And I imagine when he got to the part that said, um, and, and uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, I bet those words were in capital letters as he prayed with this Christian operator. Mm-hmm. And then he went a little further and he asked her if she could recite the 23rd uh, Psalm with him. Um, uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, And it goes in, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. And talks about God's presence in the midst of evil uh, coming into our lives. And after that, uh, he found the spiritual strength to face that crisis. Um, And that so touches me because I realize that disciples have Such advantage in times that are scary. They know how to tag into the comfort of God. They know how to tag into the strength of God, and that's what we all want for our kids. We want that for our kids. And so, you know, it's more than a scary time. It's time to make disciples, and it's time to make the greatest generation of disciples ever.
0: Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. All of this is to accomplish our mission of equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Norris and Phil Wallace for making this podcast happen. Go to resilientdisciples.com for resources and many more of these conversations.